0: This week, we have been reading together Job chapter 7, the entire chapter, but in this time, we're going to read aloud together verses 4 through 7, so if you would, find that on your listening sheet and stand with me, and let's read this together. This, then, is the text for today. When I lie down, I say, when shall I arise? But the night continues, and I am continually tossing until dawn. My flesh is clothed with worms and a crust of dirt. My skin hardens and runs. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and come to an end without hope. Remember that my life is but breath, my eye will not again see good." May God bless the reading of his word. Satan's precision-guided weapons demolished all hope of life in Job's vicinity. Before, Job was living a faithful life. A life that was full of just that, a life that was full of life. Job was doing everything that the Scriptures prescribed for him. Job was teaching the ways of the Lord to his children. His children were grown up and had grown up in the faith. Job had spent time on his knees in prayer. He was one to faithfully worship the Lord. He was one to intercede for others often. And while he was living this faithful and holy life, all of his children were tragically killed when the wind crushed the house they were celebrating in. And even still, Job remained faithful to the Lord. Job accepted this fate with grace, and he was saying that it must be so. If God allowed this to happen, then this is what needed to happen. All of this, which was Job chapter 1, was humiliating to Satan. See, Satan had formed weapons against Job's estate and weapons against Job's children, and every one of Satan's weapons were absorbed into Job's faith. And Satan's not one to run away with his tail between his legs— And so Satan swelled up with pride, and and he came back at him with everything that he had. Satan had blamed God for Job's resilience. And then, then Satan went in for the throat, and it's as if Satan's bony fingers wrapped themselves around Job's throat, and not to kill him, because God didn't allow Satan to kill Job. But but Satan grabbed Job by the neck and was holding him as tight as he possibly could without killing him. He grabbed his neck and squeezed, bringing death to just the next breath. And Job gasped for air. You know, all through the text, we hear of ungodly symptoms that Job had to deal with. And and there's several through the text, and and I want to mention some of the ones that aren't listed in today's text. So several things that that Job was dealing with in this moment. Remember, Job's skin is beginning to rot off his body. It says they're turning into these darkened patches, and, and his skin is just falling off the bones. And his bones themselves are brittle, quick to break. And then all of the skin that's left, the the skin that's not just peeling off of him, is left with these erupting pustules. And, And all of this and the disease or diseases he was dealing with left him with fever, depression, diarrhea, overwhelming itching. All of these things are listed throughout the book of Job that he was dealing with extreme distress in his life. And we learned just a couple of weeks ago that Job's only comfort was a broken piece of pottery that he used to scrape the scabs of half-heeled sores as he sat on the ash heap. And so now we get to Job chapter 7. And at Job chapter 7, we're getting to a point that many of us would break. Job has been dealing with this pain for months. Uh, Not only the loss of his children, the loss of his servants, the loss of his wealth. As he's mourning all of those things, his, his own health is deteriorated to just near nothing. Where he can barely breathe any longer. And now we get to Job chapter 7. And it says here in Job chapter 7, Job crawls into his bed. And you know, for most of us, when we've had a long day at work and our feet are tired and our back is tired, we crawl into bed to find relief. The pillow is cool and our body begins to rest. But not for Job. When Job's head hit the pillow, the pain intensified because all of his mind could focus on then was, was the pain. There was nothing else to focus on than that which he was dealing with physically. And it was all torture. He, he couldn't sleep. You know, there, there's all kinds of sleep research out there. And what, what you see is when you're not able to sleep or when you're being kept awake, it is this, this torturous time that will drive you mad. I mean, sleep is the time that your mind resets, so your, your body heals. Sleep is a gift of God. It's a tool that God uses to, to prepare and take care of our bodies. It replenishes our reserves. And so you're physically better when you're able to get good sleep. You, you even learn better. Your mind processes better. Your mind stores information when you're able to get deep sleep and processes the things that you saw during the day. And so when you're sleeping, it enhances your learning and your life and your well-being so that when you're not able to get good sleep, your body suffers. And see, now Job has had his head hit the pillow and he's unable to doze off because of the excruciating pain. And, And his body is only getting worse because his body can't heal itself in rest and in sleep. It's this cycle of torment that's going day after day and it's just getting worse and worse. And we learn, as we read through Job chapter 7, there was some point in the night, and we don't know what time it was. It doesn't say. I, I imagine something like 3 a.m. There comes a point in the night where his body is so exhausted where he begins to drift off. And as he does, he's shocked back awake Because while he sleeps, he has gruesome nightmares. In fact, look back with me at chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. If I say my bed will comfort me, that my couch will ease my complaint, then you frighten me with dreams, and you terrify me with visions. See, Job had dealt in this night, and this was a night from hell. This, this was straight from Satan himself torturing Job and keeping him awake so that his body can't get any better. And then what we see in the, the rest of the text as we move from the night into the day is after a night like that, the morning when he began to wake up was all just a fog. You know there's days when, when you open your eyes and you, you can't really open and, and everything is, is less, everything is foggy. You, you get out of your bed and you know that your day is going to be awful. You, you, you stumble when you get out of bed, you drop your toothbrush, you can't find your socks, and, and you just want to get back into bed. See, this is the morning that Job is having. Now he just wants to get back in bed, but if he gets back in bed, he's going to be terrorized by nightmares and by the pain that he's suffering when he lays in his bed. And so, so this, is, this is Job here waking up on one of those kinds of mornings, but with the multiple of Satan. You see, Job knows he's supposed to get up. And he's supposed to open his eyes, but when he gets up and he opens his eyes, what the daylight reveals is that this day is going to be harder than the night that he just endured. Because when the, when the daylight begins to shine through and, when he, and, and shines upon his body, what his eyes sees are worms crawling out of those sores. As the, the, the pus pours out of his body, there are worms crawling through all of it. In fact, as he wakes up, he sees he has as many worms as he does sores. And he realizes those worms aren't his friends. And that nothing good is going to come today. There's only pain. If Satan is using those worms to intensify the pain that he's going to experience that day. You see, Job recognizing this there's no progress. There, there is no hope in this moment. It's like he's living a forced existence. And that's where he starts this chapter in 1 and 2. He's saying, this is a forced existence with no relief. He says, if you imagine a hired worker, when they go to work, they expect they're going to get paid at the end of the day. In fact, if you hire somebody to go out and pick crops in the fields, it's going to be toilsome and it's going to be hard work, but they get a lunch break. And in that lunch break, they can go sit under the shade and drink a lemonade. They know they're going to get home that evening, and they can sleep in their bed, and they can get the rest that they need. He's saying, me, I I don't get any of that. It is forced labor over and over again, and it's forced labor without a lunch break. It's forced labor without shade. It is forced labor without pain. I have no relief. There is no relief in the night. There is no relief in the day. This is just toil for toil's sake, and I don't understand it. It's like I've been bent over all day picking a crop or sawing down a tree, and it never ends. You know, every good boss knows that their employees need a break. They need some water. They need some shade. And Job is looking up to God, saying, what are you doing? The hired hands are being treated better than you have treated me. There is no shade. There is no water. God, where are you, and what are you doing to me? It's as if... God has left him to be a servant of Satan, and Satan's only goal is to torture him as much as possible without killing him. It's interesting, this is likely what verse 15 means. So look, look down with me at Job 7:15. I, I don't think it comes across well in the English, so here in this translation it says, "So that my soul would choose suffocation, death." rather than my pains. A more literal translation of that verse from the Hebrew is that it says, Death is strangling me so that there is pain in the bones of my neck. And the bones of my neck are being pressured by death so that I'm suffocating. And the only breath I get is enough for the next breath. You see, this is where Job is in both the day and night. And so at this moment, he's he's not saying, I would rather choose death, which is how that seems, and we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. It it seems here he's saying, death is strangling me, or Satan himself has his, his fingers wrapped around my neck and he's barely keeping me alive as he strangles me towards death. And so Job then questions God, and, and, and he says, why? The, the end of this chapter is Job is saying, this is my life. This is my existence. And he says, God, why is this? Why am I, been, why am I being treated this way? But he, he starts, as, he, as you work through Job, and as you work through this chapter, he, he acknowledges some things in and before his lament. When he says, he I, says, I know this suffering is not of my own doing, and God, I know you are sovereign. This must be Satan's prerogative. But why would you treat, let him treat me this way? Why would you let him wrap his fingers around my neck? In fact, look down with me at verse 11. Therefore, I will not restrain my mouth. And so, Job is speaking to God here. And he's saying, this existence I'm living is, is not an existence. It is toil and suffering for the sake of toiling and suffering. And, and, he, and so he looks up to God and he says, I'm not going to restrain my mouth. I'm going to speak up and I'm going to speak out. He says, I I will speak of the anguish that's in my spirit. He says, I am hurting, and I am going to tell you about the hurt that I am feeling. And then he continues, I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. This is Job looking up to God and saying, I know complaining isn't normally what we do, and that is not normally the route we take, but there is nothing left but to complain. And the bitterness in my soul is overwhelming to the point, Father, that I'm just going to look up and that's all I have left in me. With the breath that I have left, all I can do is complain and lament of the bitterness that has taken over my life. This is all I know to do anymore, Father, is to lament. And the beautiful thing of the lament is this is Job looking up to God and saying, God, this is my assessment of the situation. I don't know if my assessment of the situation is entirely accurate, but from where I'm sitting, this is what I see." And from where I'm sitting, this is what I feel, and I'm going to share with God my assessment of the situation. This is what we mean in lament, and this is what we, we see and read here in chapter 7, verse 11, is Job saying, I'm going to share this situation with God, even the bitterness of my soul. Now, there's a couple of caveats that we need to work through here with lament. Because lament is important uh, to our life and, and to our, our, our work as, as believers. And one of those things that we need to recognize in, in lament is sometimes we do bring the suffering upon ourselves. The, the result of sin is suffering. And, and, and sometimes it's, it's by the, our own choices that we find ourselves wallowing in a pit of despair or in, in, in a pigsty. And, and it's important for us to recognize, and in those moments where the suffering has been brought on by our, on by our own choosing, is that we need to be repentant. And we need to repent before the Lord of those things. Now, that is not where Job is. And that's not where our, our suffering always finds itself. Sometimes it is a direct result of sin, and sometimes it's, it's other, um, a, a part of the, the nature of life and, and the things going on around us. And for Job, this is not his fault. This is something he's walking through that God has allowed at the hand of Satan. So that's one thing we need to recognize in this lament. And, and the second thing that we need to recognize in this lament is when we are sleep-deprived, or we are in an emotional state, typically, we don't know what we're talking about. See, when we're sleep-deprived or we're overly emotional, we usually lose our sense of reason. And so uh, it's important when we're feeling that way to to share those thoughts with God and share that situation with God. But it's important for us to, to recognize that those feelings can be, and usually quite distant, are, are quite distant from reality. See, sleep-deprived feelings are most often false. But that doesn't mean we need to uh, keep them away from the Lord. In fact, it's just the opposite. We need to share where our heart is with the Lord and lay those things out before Him. It's important for us to be in that lament in the moment with the Lord where we are. You see, Job, in this moment, as he's dealing with all these things, he has every right to cry out to God. Just as you do, you have, you have every right to cry out to God and, and tell the Lord what's on your heart and tell the Lord what's on your mind and tell the Lord about the suffering that you are dealing with. Because Job is acknowledging all of these realities that are around him. He's acknowledging, Lord, I am innocent in this. This is not my fault. He's acknowledging Satan's treachery and God's complicity. And he's saying, all of this suffering is too much for me to bear. And, and all of these things, Job is speaking the truth. And he he tells the Lord what he knows, and he tells the Lord how he feels, and the Lord loves it. See, the the Lord appreciates the honesty, that that he's being open and honest about where his heart is and what's going on. Openness is a sign of relationship with the Lord. See, when, when you share your innermost feelings with somebody, it's a sign of trust. It's a sign of a deepening relationship. And so it is important when when we are having difficulty and suffering and and our heart is hurting to share every one of those feelings and thoughts with the Lord. See, God wants you to share that with him, not because he wants to know, but because it's a sign of that ever-deepening relationship. God knows what's in your heart and on your mind. But when you're willing to share those things with him, this is faith. Faith. This is you trusting him with that suffering, trusting him with those problems. In fact, at the end of this chapter, at the end of Job chapter 7, Job begins to ask the why question. And it's important for us, as we see that why question show up, it's important for us to notice how Job talks about the dawn here. Because on this day, the day that we're talking about in chapter 7, Job hates the sunrise. And Job is going to hate the sunrise Every day that looks like this, after every night like the one he just had. But he doesn't want to hate the dawn wants to live a full life. He, he, he wants, most importantly, he wants a flourishing relationship with God. But right now, what he's saying, as death has gripped its bony fingers around my neck, it takes every ounce of my energy just to breathe, to get one more breath, to live one more second. That's all I have the energy for right now. And he's looking up to God and he's saying, God, I want more time with you. God, I want to strengthen my relationship with you. And so he laments this pain before God. And Job longs for the day when he can give his energy to worship. Job longs for the day when he can give his energy to intercession for other people. He longs for the day that he can celebrate with God. And he's just begging God, take these fingers off my neck so that I can breathe and have energy again. So that I might worship you in faith and celebrate your goodness. Because right now I have no energy to do any of that. And see, this is great faith because what you long for reveals your heart. It reveals where your faith is. And even in these dark moments where Job can barely muster up the energy for one more breath, Job is longing for the Lord. He even tells us, though, in verse 12, he says, I, I long for you, but, but I, f- I feel like an enemy. It feels like you, you have taken me and handed me over to Satan, and, and I'm on his side now, and, and now I'm the enemy, and I've been entrapped by you, and, and I'm being targeted by you. everything in their relationship leading up to this has felt like friendship, friendship, but today Job feels like a monstrous villain caged in punishment. He's like, why, Lord? Set me free in your grace. You know, there's some other surprising relational language in, in and among these questions. Um, and through this chapter, you, you, you see some of this in, in verses 6, 7, 8, 9, 16. Uh, you see in these verses, where they point to the truth that our lives here on this earth go very quickly. In an instant, our babies are teenagers. Uh, in an instant, our grandchildren are going off to college. In an instant, our career turns into retirement. And that much of this life is a blur. It happens too quickly. And you know, you would think Job would appreciate this. Because he mentions it several times, that that life is like this blur. But he's looking up to God, and and it's almost like he's playing on God's emotions. He's looking up to God and saying, God, I'm, I'm not going to be around much longer. There's going to come a day soon when you're going to look down on this earth and I'm not going to be here. There's going to come a day when your servant will be gone from this earth. And the sentiment is that, that he wants to, to be here for God, and he, he wants to work for God, and he wants to serve God, and he suspects God has good left for him to do on this earth, but, but right now he doesn't have the energy. He doesn't have the strength. He can't get it done. He has no, no life. The only thing he can do Scratch his sores and pray for relief. And he's praying for a day that he can have a life fulfilled with God. Walking in worship once again. And so as Job ends with the question, so will we. Can you come to the Lord like this this morning? Can you stand before the Lord like Job did this morning? That if the life is drained out of you, will you cry out to the Lord and lament? That, that no matter where you are this morning, will you seek a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ? If all is well, will you use that energy to seek Jesus? Or if the night was treacherous, will you cry out to the Lord for relief? Will you use the circumstances of today, whatever they are, will you use the circumstances of this day to draw in near to the Lord? Will you use the night hours, however they may go, to come near Jesus? Because he is our only hope. Jesus is the only way forward. Because this world and everything in it is only spiraling towards destruction. In fact, the only thing that that this world will come to is pain and suffering and in the end, death. The only way out of that, that cycle of death is through the person of Jesus Christ. Through his body and through his blood, we can have life, we can be reborn, we can be renewed, and we can have a hope for today and a hope for tomorrow because he is our Lord, and we serve him and him alone. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray this morning that you would be our rock. Lord, we know that suffering abounds. And every one of us in here have known suffering in our lives. And, Lord, we pray that you would be our relief. Lord, would your Spirit come and give us shade. Lord, would your Spirit come and give us a cold glass of water. Lord, we want to draw from that well the living water of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we pray that you would nourish us and repent replenish our bodies physically and spiritually and give us energy and life to serve you and serve you well. It's in the name of our Lord uh, and Savior Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.